Hi, this is Herb Kressel, editor of Radiology, and welcome to the February 2010 podcast. This month, uh, we will be featuring two papers that are in the abdominal imaging section of radiology this month and deal with uh, important clinical applications in abdominal imaging. First, we'll speak with uh, Dr. David Kim, who was the first author on a manuscript reviewing the CT colonography performance in a senior age screening population. This has been a subject of considerable uh, controversy that has affected uh, reimbursement for CT colonography, and I'm sure our listeners will uh, find Dr. Kim's comments illuminating. Then we'll be speaking with Dr. Courtney Kersey, who with her colleagues at Duke University uh, reviewed their experience in uh, CT and acute appendicitis and asked the rather vexing question, do more preoperative CT scans mean fewer negative appendectomies, uh, a 10-year study? I hope you enjoy this month's podcast, and as always, we welcome your comments. This afternoon, I'm here with Dr. David Kim, Associate Professor of Radiology, a uh, member of the Abdominal Imaging Section at the uh, University of Wisconsin Department of Radiology, who was uh, the first author on a uh, very fascinating study on CT colonography performance and program outcome measures in a senior age screening population. Uh, welcome, Dr. Kim. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining us. Why exactly did you do this study? What, what is it in particular about seniors that one would think make them a special population worthy of study in terms of CT screening? Well, we've had a, a number of multi-center trials that have looked at CT colonography for the general population for screening, given the fact that compliance with current options uh, is uh, pretty poor. Um, and so there have been questions, however, for the senior age population, whether we can extrapolate the good results we've seen in the trials to this group, uh, given that it is more difficult to examine these people's colons, they tend to be more frail, and to see if we can extrapolate the results of the trial to this older group. Okay. What did you do in the study, and, and what did you actually find in these people? So what we did is, uh, this was a retrospective look at the CT colonography screening program at the University of Wisconsin. And we looked at our screening cohort of uh, slightly over 5,000 patients and pulled out those people that were aged between 65 and 75 uh, years old. And that was about uh, close to 600 patients, about 11% of the screening population. And then looked at various um, uh, program outcome measures to give a sense of whether or not CT colonography screening would be similar or dissimilar from the general population. Okay, and, and what did you find? Well, we looked at several things. Uh, one of the concerns and arguments uh, that have been, or where the debate has centered, has been on performance of CTC in this older group. As you can imagine, an older person, it's just, it's harder to detect polyps uh, and cancers. And as this was an observational study, uh, certainly we couldn't calculate uh, sensitivity or specificity, but we could use surrogate measures to give a sense of what the performance of this uh, 
uh, technology uh, is in this group. And uh, the measure we used was advanced uh, neoplasia rate. And so you can imagine if uh, you look at the rate in different subpopulations, it can give you a sense of how well you're doing. And, and a nice uh, study that showed this was a, actually a colonoscopy study where they looked at different colonoscopists uh, screening patients within the same group. So if one colonoscopist had a higher rate than the other, that person probably was doing a better job in terms of performance. And we sort of borrowed that idea mm -hmm. to look at performance in CT colonography. And what we saw in the senior group is that the advanced neoplasia rate actually over doubled that of the screening population. In the senior rate, it was 7.6%. Uh, in the general population, it was a little over 3%. Uh, so what this suggests is that performance does not decrease in this uh, group. If it had, that number would certainly be much lower than 7%, perhaps 3% or, or less. We would expect an increase uh, because of the known association with increasing age, with uh, increased prevalence of advanced neoplasia, as well as an increased male gender of a cohort, you're going to raise that number as well. But it's a, it's a nice indirect way of saying, you know what, the performance probably is, is maintained in this group. And just for those listeners who may not be familiar with this term, what is actually the definition of advanced neoplasia that you're using? So advanced neoplasia is the target lesion of our screening population. They are comprised of benign targets, which are the advanced adenomas, and there are three criteria that make an advanced adenoma. Either it's greater than a centimeter in size, or it can be of any size but have a significant villus component uh, or hold high-grade uh, dysplasia. So advanced adenomas, which forms component of advanced neoplasia, represents that benign target that we're looking for because that's the lesion, mm -hmm. that's the polyp that will turn into cancer over many, many years. Advanced neoplasia also, in addition to advanced adenomas, includes any cancers. And so advanced neoplasia represent advanced adenomas and invasive cancer. I see. What about incidental findings during the CT colonography exams? I know that there's a general concern that screening exams cause additional unwarranted tests and subsequent additional testing. Um, we did see an increase in our extra, significant extraclinic findings rate in our older cohort as compared to our general population. And that rate for the older group was 15.4%. Uh, but one of the things we noticed is that, you know, this is this is a rate, it's, it actually represents E3, E4, it's part of a categorical system that uh, we use in CT colonography to help us stay consistent and help us to really standardize our, our recommendations. So this group, this 15.4%, represents the group of patients that we recommend an additional study, imaging study, for an extraclinic finding. What we found out in real clinical practice when we went back and, and, and did the chart review that this number actually drops, um, more so for the older group than our general population. And what we postulate is that because of uh, the patient's comorbidities, um, for that specific uh, situation, the referring physician has elected not to work up, say, something that's probably a cyst, but we recommended uh, an ultrasound. Another factor may be uh, the fact that it's already a known diagnosis from 
um, and a distance study um, and uh, at another institution perhaps, they've known about it for years, and that would uh, preclude uh, the workup. So even though we say that you know this rate is increased, it's around 15%, the true workup rate drops and it drops less than 10%. And realize that there's a positive side to extraclinic findings. In the senior cohort, we saw uh, 18 abdominal uh, aortic aneurysms, and certainly I think that this uh, has a, a significant impact in terms of, of management. We've run some modeling studies on this, and because you, in effect, screen for abdominal aortic aneurysms when you do CT colonography, there's no way around it. You're going to see the uh, aorta when you do this exam. When you look at the rate of abdominal aortic aneurysms in the older group, it adds a considerable number of life years gained from the screening modality. So looking at different strategies, CTC versus optical colonoscopy, because of looking just specifically at abdominal aortic aneurysms as an extraclinic finding, you gain uh, in some of the um, strategies over a thousand life years, and CTC becomes very cost effective compared to optical colonoscopy looking at that um, single benefit. Now, if, if I remember correctly, the most common benign incidental finding was pelvic cysts in females, is that correct? Uh, yes, it seems like the majority of uh, adnexal cystic lesions turn out to be benign. We have yet to see ovarian carcinoma in our screening population. And you know, perhaps it has something to do with the uh, temporal window for ovarian carcinoma. I see. So we've done this study and uh, looked at the performance uh, of uh, CT colonography in seniors. And in summary, do you think that seniors really are a particularly unique group that we need special techniques for and need a different approach in terms of managing the lesions that we find? Well, I think uh, seniors are a very good group for CT colonography because with the current options, and obviously colonoscopy is the, is the major option for seniors, we know that with increasing age, you increase the risk of complications, namely colonic uh, perforation in this uh, group. And what the study shows that if you use CT colonography as your screening modality, you can forego an optical colonoscopy in 85% uh, of this group. So you're only sending about 15% of this group on for an optical colonoscopy. And I think that would translate into marked decrease uh, of complications as well as cost and what have you. Well, thanks very much, Dr. Kim. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you. Some important uh, medical questions are frequently difficult to answer, and uh, this afternoon I'm joined by Dr. Courtney Kersey, Assistant Professor of Radiology at the Department of Radiology at Emory University and a member of the Abdominal Imaging Section, who is the uh, first author on a, uh, an interesting paper in this month's journal entitled, Making the Diagnosis of Acute Appendicitis, Do More Preoperative CT Scans Mean Fewer? negative appendectomies, a 10-year study. Welcome, Dr. Corsi. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kressel. Well, why did you actually do the study? Well, it, at my institution at the time, which was Duke University, we had noticed that CT utilization was definitely increasing in patients with suspected appendicitis. And although it's true, a lot of 
studies have been done on this topic previously, we were curious at our own institution just what was happening to the negative appendectomy rate as, as CT use was increasing. So that's why we set out to do this study, and we thought that by making it a 10-year study, we could contribute something to the overall body of literature, as, as several of the previous studies weren't quite this long in terms of the time interval. I see. And what did you find in your review? Well, so we looked back at, at adult patients, those 18 years of age or greater who had undergone an uh, appendectomy. Uh, we looked at the percentage of patients who had had a CT before appendectomy, and then we looked at the negative appendectomy rates uh, with patients stratified based on age and gender. And we found that CT use at our institution over the last decade has certainly increased. Uh, it was less than 20% back in 1998, and it increased to greater than 90% of patients undergoing appendectomy by 2007. And during that time period, although overall we noticed a decline in the negative appendectomy rate, initially this finding was just significant for women 45 years in age or, or less. Uh, in those patients, the negative appendectomy rate had decreased from about 43% in 1998 to about 7% in 2000. But then with the help of our statistician, Dr. DeLong, we looked in a little more depth at, at the numbers there, and although there was a decrease on a year-to-year -year basis, we couldn't prove that the increase in CT utilization was definitely associated with the decrease in the negative appendectomy rate. So overall, it did look like, at least we can say that the uh, increase in CT utilization coincided with a decrease in the negative appendectomy rate in women 45 and younger, uh, but we can't say for sure that increase in CT use caused this decrease in the negative appendectomy rate. So it's a thorny problem because there have been a lot of studies on this in the past with conflicting results. So there are obviously more uh, confounding variables uh, and changes in practice patterns and the way people are, are coding diagnosis perhaps that uh, make a difference. So what are your thoughts on this? What, I, I know everyone working in CT is very anxious to show the impact on this and it's uh, in something like appendectomy where we're all using it. I think people who practice radiology and surgeons, I have little doubt on the value of it. What do you think we ought to consider? Any other factors, any way we can kind of get a better handle on this information? Well, I agree with you. I do think CT is a great test, and I know that if personally, if I were having abdominal pain and the ER doctors or surgeons thought I might have appendicitis, I would want a CT before I had surgery personally. But I, I do wonder if perhaps looking at uh, pelvic ultrasound, if that is something that perhaps the utilization in that and, and better equipment with ultrasound could, that occurred over this past decade could also explain some of the decrease in the negative appendectomy rate in young women. I, I think our finding that the negative appendectomy rate did not change in young male patients uh, speaks to the fact that the surgeons are, are already pretty good at figuring out if those patients have acute appendicitis. And frankly, in young male patients, I think there just aren't that many additional differential diagnoses uh, in these patients with right lower quadrant pain. And I think, uh, although CT is an outstanding test, I think that our interpretation of CT is not 100% perfect. Um, as we found in the article, we had a usually less than 10% rate of false positive diagnoses per year, but I think the fact that our interpretation is not 100% perfect makes it tough to improve on a negative appendectomy rate that's already less than 10% in young male patients. I see. And, and what about the issue of uh, radiation dose and exposure? Should we be thinking of other diagnostic strategies and 
taking subcategories of patients and having an altered sequence of testing? I think that's a great question. Um, I do agree that radiation dose is definitely of concern. I think in an ideal world, um, I think being able to diagnose either rule in or rule out appendicitis with ultrasound would be wonderful. Uh, it's just been my experience and my limited experience to date that at least here in the U.S., that um, our ability to find the appendix with ultrasound is somewhat limited, uh, perhaps partly due to body habitus in some of our patients. It just makes it tougher to find the appendix in adults. I think that MR is a wonderful tool for appendicitis. Um, I just think, at least as of today, uh, the logistics of getting an MR in a timely fashion for patients in the ER with acute abdominal pain, especially in the middle of the night, uh, can be limiting. But perhaps in the future, with more MR slots and 24-hour MR scanning and people who feel comfortable reading MR available 24 hours a day, I think that would be a great way to go. At my institution, Beth Israel Deegan, is we've actually had a lot of interest in doing MR for appendicitis in pregnant females. And we do them 24-7, but the learning curve is pretty steep. I think you can get very good results, but I think it doesn't happen right away. You really need to see a lot of cases, and there are a lot of sort of technical hurdles in optimizing exactly the plane of image acquisition and the pulse sequences. Well, anyway, uh, Dr. Corsi, it's really been a pleasure chatting with you. I, uh, I know our readers will find uh, your study of great interest, and thanks for joining us. Oh, well, thank you, Dr. Kressel. It was a pleasure. Bye.